Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 127. You know, a temple, you might wonder, what is a temple? Why do people have temples? And a temple for centuries has always been a place where, in a sense, heaven and earth meet, where God and his creatures meet And so a temple was always this place of connection point between the two, heaven and earth. And in so one sense, God in various religions, but even in Christianity, is often considered a God who comes near, but who is far away at the same time. And in these passages we read today about Solomon building the temple, Psalm 44 and 1 Timothy 2, we see this interesting mix of calling God to come near, of asking God why he feels far away, and how there can be this ongoing struggle in our hearts about how we view God. And I hope that through these passages, we'll see that God is a God who is far beyond us in one sense, but also is a God who is near and has proven that nearness in Jesus himself. And so let's jump into our passages today. We'll begin with 1 Kings chapter 7. We'll see this near and farness in one sense of God. 1 Kings 7. Solomon took 13 years to build his palace. He named it the Palace of the Lebanon Forest, and it was 150 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. It had four rows of cedar pillars and cedar beams above the pillars. The roof above the beams supported by the pillars was also made of cedar. There were 45 beams, 15 per row. There were three rows of windows arranged in sets of three. All the entrances were rectangular in shape, and they were arranged in sets of three. He made a colonnade 75 feet long and 45 feet wide. There was a porch in front of this and pillars and a roof in front of the porch. He also made a throne room called the Hall of Judgment, where he made judicial decisions. It was paneled with cedar from the floor to the rafters. The palace where he lived was constructed in a similar way. He also constructed a palace like this hall for Pharaoh's daughter, whom he had married. All these were built with the best stones chiseled to the right size and cut with a saw on all sides from the foundation to the edge of the roof, and from the outside to the great courtyard. The foundation was made of large, valuable stones, measuring either 15 feet or 12 feet. Above the foundation, the best stones, chiseled to the right size, were used along with cedar. Around the great courtyard were three rows of chiseled stones and one row of cedar beams, like the inner courtyard of the Lord's temple and the hall of the palace. King Solomon sent for Hiram of Tyre, He was the son of a widow from the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was a craftsman in bronze from Tyre. He had the skill and knowledge to make all kinds of works of bronze, and he reported to the king Solomon and did all the work he was assigned. He fashioned two bronze pillars. Each pillar was 27 feet high and 18 feet in circumference. He made two bronze tops for the pillars. Each was 7.5 feet high, and the lattice work on the tops of the pillars was adorned with ornamental reeds and chains. The top of each pillar had seven groupings of ornaments. When he made the pillars, there were two rows of pomegranate-shaped ornaments around the lattice work covering the top of each pillar. The tops of the two pillars in the porch were shaped like lilies and were six feet high. On the top of each pillar, right above the bulge beside the lattice work, there were 200 pomegranate-shaped ornaments arranged in rows all the way around. 
He set up the pillars on the porch in front of the main hall. He erected one pillar on the right side and called it Yakin. He erected the other pillar on the left side and called it Boaz. The tops of the pillars were shaped like lilies, so the construction of the pillars was completed. He also made the large bronze basin called the Sea. It measured 15 feet from rim to rim, was circular in shape, and stood 7.5 feet high. Its circumference was 45 feet. Under the rim, of all the way around it, were ornaments arranged in settings 15 feet long. The ornaments were in two rows and had been cast with the sea. The sea stood on top of twelve bulls, three faced northward, three westward, three southward, and three eastward. The sea was placed on top of them, and, all the, and they all faced outward. It was four fingers thick, and, it was a, and its rim was like that of a cup shaped like a lily blossom. It could hold about 12,000 gallons. He also made 10 bronze movable stands. Each stand was 6 feet long, 6 feet wide, and and 4.5 feet high. The stands were constructed with frames between the joints. On these frames and joints were ornamental lions, bulls, and cherubim. Under the lions and bulls were decorative wreaths. Each stand had 4 bronze wheels with bronze axles and 4 supports. Under the basin, the supports were fashioned on each side with wreaths. Inside the stand was a round opening that was 18 inches deep. It had a support that was 27 inches long. On the edge of the opening were carvings in square frames. The four wheels were under the frames, and the crossbars of the axles were connected to the stand. Each wheel was 27 inches high. The wheels were constructed like chariot wheels. Their crossbars, rims, spokes, and hubs were made of cast metal. Each stand had four supports, one per side, projecting out from the stand. On top of each stand was a round opening three-quarters of a foot deep. There were also supports and frames on top of the stands. He engraved ornamental cherubim, lions, and palm trees on the plates of the supports and frames wherever there was room, with wreaths all around. He made the ten stands in this way. All of them were cast in one mold and were identical in measurements and shape. He also made ten bronze basins, each of which could hold about 240 gallons. Each basin was six feet in diameter. There was one basin for each stand. He put five basins on the south side of the temple and five on the north side, and he put the sea on the south side in the southeast corner. Hiram also made basins, shovels, and bowls. He finished all the work on the Lord's temple. He had been assigned by King Solomon. He made the two pillars, the two bowl-shaped tops of the pillars, the lattice work for the bowl-shaped tops and the two pillars, the 400 pomegranate-shaped ornaments for the lattice work of the two pillars. Each lattice work had two rows of these ornaments at the bowl-shaped top of the pillar. The ten movable stands with their ten basins, the bronze basin called the sea with its twelve bowls underneath, and the pots, shovels, and bowls. All these items King Solomon assigned Hiram to make for the Lord's temple were made from polished bronze. The king had them cast in earth foundries in the region of the Jordan between Succoth and Sarathan. Solomon left all these items unweighed. There were so many of them that they did not weigh the bronze. Solomon also made all these items for the Lord's temple the gold altar, the gold table on which was kept the bread of the presence, the pure gold lampstands at the entrance of the inner sanctuary, five on the right and five on the left, the gold flower-shaped ornaments, lamps and tongs, the pure gold bowls, trimming shears, basins, pans and censers, and the gold door sockets for their inner sanctuary, the most holy place, and for the doors of the main hall of the temple. When King Solomon finished constructing the Lord's temple, he put the holy items that belonged to his father David, the silver, gold, and other articles in the treasuries of the Lord's temple. Now we're going to move to a somewhat parallel account again in Chronicles. 
We'll be reading from 2 Chronicles chapter 4. He made a bronze altar 30 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 15 feet high. He also made the big bronze basin called the sea. It measured 15 feet from rim to rim, was circular in shape, and stood 7.5 feet high. Its circumference was 45 feet. Images of bulls were under it all the way around, 10 every 18 inches all the way around. The bulls were in two rows and had been cast with the sea. The sea stood on top of the 12 bulls. Three faced northward, three westward, three southward, and three eastward. The sea was placed on top of them, and they all faced outward. It was four fingers thick, and its rim was like that of a cup shaped like a lily blossom. It could hold 18,000 gallons. He made ten washing basins, and he put five of them on the south side and five on the north side. In them, they rinsed the items used for burnt sacrifices. The priest washed in the sea. He made ten gold lampstands according to the specifications and put them in the temple, five on the right side and five on the left. He made ten tables and set them in the temple, five on the right and five on the left. He also made a hundred gold bulls. He made the courtyard of the priests and the large enclosure and its doors. He plated their doors with bronze. He put the sea on the south side in the southeast corner. Hiram Abi made the bull, pots, shovels, and bulls. He finished all the work on God's temple. He had been assigned by King Solomon. He made the two pillars, the two bowl-shaped tops of the pillars, the latticework of the bowl-shaped tops on the two pillars, the 400 pomegranate-shaped ornaments for the latticework on the two pillars. Each latticework had two rows of these ornaments at the bottom, at the bowl-shaped top of the pillar. The ten movable stands with their ten basins, the big bronze basin called the sea with its twelve bowls underneath, and the pots, shovels, and meat forks. All the items King Solomon assigned Hiram Abi to make for the Lord's temple were made from polished bronze. The king had them cast in earth foundries in the region of the Jordan between Succoth and Sarathon. Solomon made so many of these items they did not weigh the bronze. Solomon also made these items for God's temple, the gold altar, the tables on which the bread of the presence was kept, the pure gold lampstands and their lamps, which burned as, spe as specified at the entrance to the sanctuary, the pure gold flower-shaped ornaments, lamps and tongs, the pure gold trimming shears, basins, pans, and censers, and the gold door sockets for the inner sanctuary, the most holy place, and for the doors of the main hall of the temple. And that's the completion of the articles there. Uh, we'll read more about this again in the coming days where Solomon actually, in a sense, opens up the temple. We have the grand opening, and we'll read more about that tomorrow. But now we're going to move to Psalm 44, Psalm 44, and Psalm 44 is this cry out to God that is basically saying, God, I don't see that I'm doing anything wrong. I don't know why you're not responding. I don't know why, I don't know why you seem to be far away, but that's how I feel, and I'm going to call out to you to come and help. And I think it's beautiful that the Bible has a prayer like this that we can follow and we can feel the weight of it because sometimes maybe you or I feel this way. And it gives us, in a sense, permission to realize that we can actually come to God and we can pour our hearts out to him this way. So let's read from Psalm 44. For the music director, by the Korathites, a well-written song. O God, we have clearly heard, our ancestors have told us what you did in their days in ancient times. You, by your power, defeated nations and settled our fathers on their land. You crushed the people living there and enabled our ancestors to occupy it. For they did not conquer the land by their swords, and they did not prevail by their strength, but rather by your power and strength and good favor, for you were partial to them. You are my king, O God. 
decree Jacob's deliverance. By your power we will drive back our enemies. By your strength we will trample down our foes. For I do not trust in my bow, and I do not prevail by my sword. For you deliver us from our enemies. You humiliate those who hate us. And God we boast all day long, and we will continually give thanks to your name. But you have rejected and embarrassed us. You do not go into battle with our armies. You made us retreat from the enemy. Those who hate us take whatever they want from us. You handed us over like sheep to be eaten. You scattered us among the nations. You sold your people for a pittance, and you did not ask a high price for them. You made us an object of disdain to our neighbors. Those who live on our borders taunt and insult us. You made us an object of ridicule among the nations. Foreigners treat us with contempt. All day long I feel humiliated, and I am overwhelmed with shame before the vindictive enemy who ridicules and insults me. All this has happened to us, even though we have not rejected you or violated your covenant with us. We have not been unfaithful, nor have we disobeyed your commands. Yet you have battered us, leaving us a heap of ruins overrun by wild dogs. You have covered us with darkness. If we have rejected, if we had rejected our God and spread out our hands in prayer to another God, would not God discover it? For he knows a person's secret thoughts. Yet because of you, we are killed all day long. We are treated like sheep at the slaughtering block. Rouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Wake up. Do not reject us forever. Why do you look the other way and ignore the way we are oppressed and mistreated? For we lie in the dirt with our bellies pressed to the ground. Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of your loyal love. What an honest expression of feelings. Um, these are not facts that God is actually sleeping or that he doesn't care. But this is how they feel because he's not acting in that time. And maybe in your life, you feel the same way, that there's times where you're wondering why God is taking so long to answer your prayer or why God is taking so long to act when you can't think of anything specific that you've done that would cause him to delay. And this psalm, I think, is a wonderful way of realizing that we can express this to God, that we can actually Express this to God because he is near even when he is far away. And how do we know that? How can we be sure? Well, we have a great advantage over the people who were writing Psalm 44 and that we see what Jesus has done and how he has come near in such wonderful ways. And that's what actually changes our understanding of how close God can be and how we can call out to him no matter what. And that leads us to 1 Timothy chapter 2, where we continue reading Paul's letter about prayer and how to actually conduct ourselves with each other in the church. 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all, then, I urge that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanks be offered on behalf of all people, even for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Such prayer for all is good and welcomed before God, our Savior, since he wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one intermediary between God and humanity, Christ Jesus himself, who gave himself as a ransom for all, revealing God's purpose at his appointed time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or dispute. Likewise, the women are to dress in suitable apparel with modesty and self-control. 
Their adornment must not be with braided hair and gold or pearls or expensive clothing, but with good deeds as is proper for women who profess reverence for God. A woman must learn quietly with all submissiveness, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. She must remain quiet. For Adam was formed first and then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman, because she was fully deceived, fell into transgression. But she will be delivered through childbearing if she continues in faith and love and holiness with self-control. This is God's word for us today, and I think as Paul is reminding Timothy in this letter, especially at the beginning there, to pray for all those in authority and to realize that we can do that because we have one mediator, Christ Jesus, which causes both men and women to say in one sense, if we're going to follow God and follow Jesus, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve? What can I do to bring honor and glory to you? How do I live my life in thankfulness for the grace and the mercy you've shown me? And that leads us to pray. That leads us to be willing to listen to God. And that leads us to actually realize that ultimately God knows best, even when things that he says strike us as odd, cause us to wonder, even have times of doubt, that in all these things we can trust him because of his great, loyal, faithful love. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, HTTP, netbible.com, copyright 1996, 2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music.